Hey guys, Dustin Bones here. We hope you're enjoying this rewind of season one of Band, the real life misadventures of Rick Dunsford and friends. And the rewind continues now as we hit play on part two of the Michael Graves years. Let me ask you this, man. When when Graves, uh, when you're on the road, <clears throat> what exactly? Uh, what what was your job? on the tour did you just route the tour and make sure everything went smoothly or uh what was what was your role it was, there man, it, was, it was weird man because like i never really done anything like that before and michael just kind of asked me to do it for him and it kind of like caught me off guard because i didn't really know how to do anything like that i didn't had no knowledge of it but he he saw that what i was able to do was just learning how to do his shows for him and the success that he had off of them. So I gave it a shot, man. And it worked out pretty good, you know, for that tour. Um, I got a lot of contacts, man. And I pretty much routed and booked the tour, got him, you know, whatever the guarantee was uh, at the end of the night, you know, and make sure that he was paid up, that uh, everybody was taken care of, and that we got, you know, whatever the contract obligations were on there. Everything was taken care of. So we didn't have no problems on that tour. What did Michael say to you when he first asked you to join him? I remember I was uh, very, I was very eager. You know, I was kind of, you know, I was, I was very eager back in the day, just ready to do anything, you know. And uh, I had a lot of energy. Yeah. And, uh, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I always kept myself busy with doing something, you know. So, but Michael, I guess he saw, I guess he liked with what I was doing with him in Tupelo. And I guess he figured I can replicate what I did in Tupelo and other towns, you know? Yeah. And so that's, I'm, I don't know if that's the reason why. That's something you'll, maybe he'll be able to answer. One day you'll be, I know you'll be able to see him soon one day, but, but you know, that, it, it, it was a stressful so lifestyle like, doing that, man. You're like 21 and you get an email from a guy that sings for one of your favorite bands ever. That's, that that has to be a really good day. So that was a two... Dude, I don't even think I was 21, dude. I was like 19. Damn. I was 18 or 19. When, when I was doing that. It was pretty cool, man, because it opened the door for like a... Uh, opened the door for a lot of stuff for me, though. But, you know, but like my involvement with Graves and all that, I ended up seeing like a bunch of cool bands, meeting a lot of cool people. And... uh from doing that stuff, man, it opened the doors to just kind of grow in and just go in a different direction. Then, you know, at that point, you know, after the Illusions album, me and Michael, we just kind of went in a different direction for a while. And I focused on my thing, you know, with radio or doing shows or whatnot. Well, before we move on away from 2007, uh, there is something here that I've got in my notes we forgot to talk about. The What's song, that? the song Gorge. There Dude, was that, some influence that you had, if I remember correctly. Yes, I heard this I from Michael's you mouth. That. Michael Graves told me this. <laughs> so, yeah, I felt like that's something we should talk about definitely before we well, move Well, dude, like, well, Graves, dude, seriously, there probably have to be like four or five episodes. I mean, it, it was a lot of time <laughs> with the guy and uh, a lot of stories, but with that right there, 
you know, I was a fan of, you know, I'm, I'm a fan, so I would watch these live videos that would appear. And I remember there, he did a show. Uh, it was like it was one. It was a kickoff of a, I believe it was the Almost Home tour, and they the band arrived late. So I remember Michael played an acoustic thing for this crowd, and he debuted this song called Gorge. And I remember listening to it, and it was just. I thought it was just one of the greatest songs I've heard, man. And it was just, you could tell there was a lot of uh, emotion behind it. And so every time I was around Michael, I always talked about the song Gorge. And I kept, and I told him every time I would see him, I'm like, play Gorge, man. Come on, play it. So during the time we were getting, uh, the whole album was getting ready, you know, Michael had a list of songs. And I'm like, hey, where's Gorge at? And he, and, you know, he's kind of looking, smiling. And that's how the song ended up on the album, you know, because I, I kept, you know, Telling, telling him, you know, let's do Gorge. Gorge, come on. Would he yeah, have was, recorded it, that? Would he have ever recorded that song otherwise? Yeah, dude. Yeah, he was well, Michael. He's a, I mean, he's an artist, dude. And everything that he, uh, every, he records so much stuff, man. Like if you look at his catalog, I mean, dude, his catalog is huge. I, he's got a ton of albums. Why was he reluctant to put that one song in particular out? I feel like that's his story, and the okay. reason I say that's because there's yeah, well, it's because it's it involves a tragedy. And, okay, uh, that's fair. We'll you know, and, you know, and that, and I just don't want to. No, I got and you. It, it's just, it, you know, when you got to think about like this too. <clears> you know, you got like there's like an emotional something. It was like a major emotional attachment with it. You know, so with with an event that happens in life, you yeah, know, it just I didn't it's hard think for of people. That. To, uh, yeah. when but, I asked the question, I didn't think of. Of of that, so let's just skip over that and uh, yeah, I'm a, he, he he might tell you, you know, like, but like I said, that's his story, man. But it's a, but that's that's the reason why I was uh, so, like, that's another reason why I was really into the song too, because uh, it had I mean, a it was real a great song. It has a real attachment to it, like it's about something real, like very real, yeah. And you can you can that that, that kind of thing comes across. Yeah, so that right there. Whenever, uh, uh, whenever we're in the studio, um, I don't even know the titles of all these guys I was with, but I was sitting right there, and every time they were uh, they would record, you know, I'll see the channels they would record on, what they were labeled as, and so when they're going back, they're trying to figure out, all right, what channel was Gorge on? I'm like, it was over here on this channel right here, and I hit the button, so they used me as a reference guide for all this stuff for whenever they were <laughs> recording each instrument. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um. Now let's. We're gonna if if we fast forward a little bit, we're gonna do a Quentin Tarantino. I'm gonna give you guys whiplash because I'm gonna throw you way ahead, then I'm gonna pull you way back again. Rick Dunsford gets that's sued by. She likes it. <laughs> uh, that's the way all of your mothers like it out there. Uh, <laughs> Guns and Roses <laughs> sues Rick Dunsford and then bans him for life from all of their concerts. Now let's. Whip all the way back to the Misfits, Sue's Rick Dunsford. Now let's fast forward to 2008, two years later, and Rick Dunsford shows up at a Misfits concert, and things went a little bit differently at that show than it did when Guns N' Roses kicked you out. Yeah, because I'm the reason why the Misfits came to town. <laughs> it was uh, in Columbus, Mississippi, man. Uh, I was, you know, I was one of the partners with it to bring them in because. 
honestly, I wanted to see the Misfits, and they were they were not coming nowhere near me. And this was kind of a time where me and Michael had a break from each other. Yeah. Um, and I remember when uh, the Misfits came into town, I was a. Uh, I have sound check videos. Uh, I, they might be private right now. I have to set them to public, but it was cool watch you know meeting them, watching sound check, and getting pictures and hanging out with them. And it was really nothing said about uh, we didn't we didn't really talk about anything like you know with the former members or anything like that. But uh, but I remember Jerry only was uh, was a super cool dude, super nice man. And whenever they were. During the show, you know, it was like a large gap in between the rail and the stage because it was an old theater. And so I was kind of down there, like right there where some of the crew was, right there at the stage. And during uh, Dig Up for Bones, it's one of my uh, you know, one of my favorite songs, and it's one of the few Graves Air songs they played. You know, I was real excited jumping up and down, and then Jerry only pulled me up on stage and let me sing it with uh, <laughs> let me sing with them on that. And I uh, nice. and I did a one thirty eight with them. That's really cool. What yeah, do you so think kind of, is cool. what do you think is their staple song? Like if they had one big huge hit, is that Dig Up Her Bones, or would you say that's maybe Scream or Bullet or okay. Where Eagles Dare? Well, what do you think depends. is? Well, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a dancing track. Yeah. I mean, like Die Die My Darling. I mean, Da Da Da, my darling is probably going to be the, I would say, probably their signature track. It's because, uh, then Metallica cover it. That's the one they always, you know, would end shows with. So that's pretty much, that's their Welcome to the Jungle or whatever. Did they uh, play last quarter like, after they were show? In Green Hail? Uh, like, the Misfits? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they play, yeah, they play a lot, a lot of them. But during that time, Jerry only was like changing some of the lyrics to, oh. Be a li- they'd be a little bit more friendly because Danzig had a lot of darker lyrics. Yeah. And Jerry Only would just want to add a little bit of a positivity to the song and mess oh, it yeah. up. <laughs> Man, well, we're not coming because we're, we're not supposed to be happy. Man, we're supposed to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Jerry Only's like, well, let's, just, uh, well, let's just paint this up. Let's change those lyrics to the song and turn it into a children's happy song, man. <laughs> so it, it's, it's funny, man. It's ridiculous. My... I, I find out that Michael has a new gig and he's going to be the singer for Marky Ramone. Uh, and so they did a lot of the South American shows and the shows were phenomenal. It's like, because there's no more living Ramone. Yeah. And so Marky Ramone kind of built like a little all-star lineup and as Michael Graves. And then uh, I know Andrew WK was singing for him for a little bit, but I remember uh, talking to Michael, and I wanted to bring him down for like St. Patty's Day in 2009. And it's our, you know, it's our first time talking in like over a year, man. And Michael knows that, you know, I could do something with this if I had it, you know. Yeah. So you know, he he talked to Marky for me, and I ended up getting our first U.S. show here at Tupelo. Oh, that's really and, cool, man. I know. Well, it's funny. Doesn't picking him up at the airport, man. Just. <laughs> seeing Marky Ramone in person for the first time I mean dude it's a wig <laughs> uh, dude you know what's that, funny I literally just wrote down I was waiting for an opening so I could ask you did you ever get to see Marky Ramone without his wig no man I, I never saw him but like uh, I, remember, I remember uh, did dude you, you know have, he had to have uh, have you ever asked Michael 
what it was like to see Marky Ramone without his wig. Man, I don't know. I, was, I didn't really talk about Marky Ramone a whole lot either. With him, man. I didn't, I There's didn't one time you stuff, did. But... Think real hard. There's one time you asked Michael, and he had a pretty funny response. You remember? Uh, it was when I, you and me... You... It was in Birmingham, Alabama, on his birthday when we were hanging out. Not to fast forward, we'll get to that story, but you remember when you asked him about what it was like to see Marty Ramone without his wig? Oh, what'd he say? You don't want to tell it? Or do you not remember? I I really don't remember. There's reasons why I don't remember that night, but I don't remember. He said everybody wants... He said it's like the Wizard of Oz. Everybody wants to see the man behind the curtain until they see the man behind the curtain. Oh, so they see it. <laughs> he's like, don't. He's like, don't let reality ruin, you know, your fandom, and basically, you know, let like see Marky the way Marky wants you to see him, because that's, you know. Yeah, well, I remember, like, I knew that it was a wig because. Uh, <laughs> well, everybody uh, knows it's a damn wig. <laughs> well, I, well, I know that, but like, like Gene Simmons, cool like you can so... tell by looking. <laughs> Whenever the Mikey Ramones Blitzkrieg came, I, I was so busy that day that I couldn't really attend to him the way I needed to. So I gave him the keys to my car. <laughs> and at one point, oh, I was, at one point I was walking out, and then they're just riding around, just having a blast. And I see Mikey Ramone with his like leg propped up on the in the front seat, and then Mike was driving. He's like, "What's up? Let's pimp my ride." <laughs> you know, just playing around. You know, so it was just funny watching uh Michael and Mark, you uh, ride around. It was in a Ford Explorer, too. <laughs> oh, man. And, and look, here's another cool story with the Marky Ramon. Uh, we were driving back. I was driving. We were going to the airport the next day. I, I rented a vehicle for him, uh, uh, like a travel uh, van. So on our way back to Memphis, to the airport, you know that yellow sign that's on the highway that says, Flicks? But the, you know, but it's like F. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So. Oh so, God. So we're so we're riding down the road, and Marky Ramon nearly breaks his neck. Look, <laughs> it said, "Do you guys see that?" Because the sign looked like it said, uh, "It looks like it said fucks." That's what he's, it, that's exactly what it looks like. I, I wish I had a picture of that sign. But every time I pass by that sign, man, I always think about. That moment, Mark Ramon said that. Now, 2009 is also kind of the year that you you really go home, and things really start. The jets on this whole era kind of start to cool down. You come home, you you know you probably get to work in somewhere else. Uh, you start you start getting ready to settle into to life and things like that. But yeah, uh, I started. You know, my kid came. Yeah, yeah. But uh, now, before we get on, we're going to skip ahead because that—that's kind of where most of that's going to end. But you said there's a Doyle story that happens kind of in the middle, in about 2010, like a year later. Yeah. Yeah. So this was uh, probably like the not the last time because there's one more time that me and Michael worked together, but. Uh, yeah, we're I was there. doing a show here, and I was doing a show in Tupelo, and I was wanting to bring Michael back to do it. And during this time, 
Michael actually joined uh, Doyle on stage at a Danzig concert in New Jersey, to, and they performed like it's kind of like a reunited Misfit show. It was Doctor Chad on drums, Doyle, Graves, and then uh, Argyle Goolsby on bass. So they did like a little Misfit set. Well, it was the whole thing was kind of uh, messed up because Graves wasn't allowed to go backstage. He wasn't allowed to do his whole gimmick, makeup, and all that. So he had to go on stage just with the street clothes. And so I was kind of wanting something special for this show. So I was talking to Michael about, you know, what if I can get Doyle's band, you know, Gorgeous Frankenstein, to come to Tupelo, and then I get you here at the same time. And would you, could I get you guys to do like a, uh, a Misfit set that, you know, that the fans didn't really get to have, you know, like, uh, or kind of like a reunited Misfit set? Well, Michael was very on board with it because he's real supportive of any idea I've had, you know? he yeah. That's what's great. He was a great friend. But <laughs> but I think he knew how it was going to end. So hmm. I, I get in touch with Doyle. And let me tell you, this was like one of the weirdest calls I've had. I've had a lot of weird calls, okay? I've had a lot of just effed up calls. Oh, yeah. This one right here, <laughs> this one takes the cake right here. So... At the time, Doyle's wife was a uh, gorgeous Frank, uh, a gorgeous George. You remember her from uh, WCW? WCW. Huh, that's yeah. right. I forgot about that, but yeah, I remember that. So, so she she answers the phone, and I'm asking to speak with Doyle, and she's you can tell she is not in her right mind. She's like messed up on something. Yeah, and she's just slurring her words, and she's like, "You sound nice. Who is this? Hey, what do you want?" And then uh-huh. I kept explaining to her what I wanted. She was like, yeah, man, is there money, though? Can we get money for it? And then you kind of hear Doyle in the background, and he, and he takes the phone. He's like, hello. And he's so angry when he's on the phone. And I pitched him my idea, and he said uh, he made a smart remark about Michael, talking about uh, a demo Michael recorded with him. He said, you heard the way he sounded when he sang that song? That's why I'm not playing with him. And then just hung up the phone. Angry. Just, he was angry to, and yet, a, a week prior to that, he performed with Michael on stage, so, I don't know. So, ever since then, I'm like, man, I'm not talking to Doyle again. Hmm. You think he may, well, now, you gotta he, be fair, though. Look at what he was living with at that time. I mean, he could have just been having a bad day. Yeah, I mean, I, think I, about I've spoken it. to him before. You're a married man. <laughs> you know what it's like to be married. Now imagine if she was like a crackhead or some shit. Dude, she I was, th- man. Like, dude, you, I think that would be enough me- to make anybody pissed off at the world. And I, I think that kind of you got to excuse him at least a little bit because of that going on in the background. Yeah, and you could tell when he got on the phone, he was really aggravated with uh, how his business was being handled with. Uh, yeah. With a junkie, pretty much, but uh, you know, like I said, that was that wasn't my person speaking with Doyle, but I can understand him being aggravated at that time. So I haven't spoken with him since. What about Doctor Chud? Did you uh, you said at one point that you'd done some things with him? Is that enough to do a whole episode on, or is that something that no, probably we could it, fit in dude, here? Uh, I can fit it in here, dude. Uh, I tell you this much, man. Chud is like one of the greatest dudes. He's so nice, man. Uh, you know. I, I helped him out a little bit back in the day and um, remember him coming to Tupelo and just hanging out. You know, uh, he's never had a crawfish before. 
<laughs> so, I, I, so I gave. That's what I do. Like anytime, like uh, I did it with Graves too. Anytime, if, like anybody comes into town, I would always give someone. I was always make one try crawfish. Oh God, I'd kill for some crawfish right now, dude. I forgot. Since I've lived, since I've gotten out of the South, man, the two things I have the hardest time getting my hands on is crawfish and cornbread. Man, Ooh, you don't appreciate. You don't appreciate it fully. Like when you live there, you're like, oh God, cornbread again. But oh yeah. <laughs> but once it's gone, you're like, man. You'll be eating a bowl of Campbell's soup. Be like, you know what's would be good with this? Some cornbread. But I don't know how to make cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to make it at all, man. <laughs> but Ashley does. Or but I your wife it. does. Hmm. Yes, she does. Let's fast forward now. We're gonna, like I said, in the future, we're gonna talk about your uh, your uh, booking and promotions company. But one of the things that led up to one of the big events that led up to, which is also coming in the future, is gonna get in a whole episode on its own, is the Minerva Festival. But the only thing we're gonna talk about from that festival was uh, Gotham Road. You actually got them to reunite for that festival. And yeah. Uh- how did you go? Did how did you pull that off? Were they already reunited and touring together, or did you contact the people and kind of work it together? Was it a one-time reunion, or did they have a tour after that? It was just a one-time show. Um, uh, like I'm, I used to be really close with all those guys. So, to Michael, hey, the this you guys want to come play this for me? And they always did stuff for me, man. Like just it doesn't matter, they he was always real supportive anytime I had an idea or wanted to do something Michael really didn't ask questions he said yes he was yes to everything and always did it man and it's, he was like really honestly man he my wife and Michael probably like really the biggest supporters he knows whenever I was starting off doing stuff you know oh yeah getting into uh, this kind of life you know that's so that's what I always say about Michael man he was very supportive and uh, and always helped me out all the time man so nothing but good things about that guy what happened that made Gotham Road kind of split up in the first place? Life has just brought us in, in different directions, and it's it's um, the touring landscape is Style. different. Um, I don't know. It's, it, there's there's the reasons are complex. There's just not one or two reasons why we don't play or we haven't been playing. That was really like close to the end of that era with Graves. And I'll tell you this much, uh, whenever me and my wife found out that uh, we're having a baby, uh, the day that we found out the gender, the very first person to call to congratulate me was Michael. And I wasn't able to answer the phone because I was in the back at the time, but he called me and he sang a song uh, that his mom sang to him whenever she found out that he was having a girl. So that was a, you know, I always tell my daughter that, that the first person to congratulate this song I heard coming was uh was Michael. That's and really cool. I, you know, and I remember he, him, and his wife. Uh, they mailed us a big box of uh, clothes because their daughter, which was like about a year older than uh, my oldest, you know, she they sent us a bunch of their her leftover clothes, and it was just, I mean, it was really nice. He's he's a great guy, man. Uh, <sighs> If we go fast forward to about a year later, uh, Rick, you by, by 2011, you were pretty much done with touring. 
Uh, maybe not promoting shows. You had one or two of those left up your sleeve. But uh, you and I were hanging out at this particular time. And Michael Graves all of a sudden came uh, pretty much independently to a little place in, I believe it was Oxford, Mississippi? Yeah. Yeah, Oxford. Yeah, I remember that show. And uh, yeah, we didn't yeah. go to that show together. I went with my girlfriend, but uh, we met up at the show. And uh, we yeah, met. Yeah, the Oxford show. It was, it was. He was playing right beside a window. It was like right there on the street. And, you know, I remember how cool that setting was. You could just walk by and just you know listen to a show, man. It was a. It was like a big window. Yeah, I remember him. that show. That was a really fun yeah, show. Yeah, and then, and it was crazy. This dude was walking down the street. And he spotted Michael, and he came in there, and he took his shirt off. I'm like, okay, what the heck is this? And he showed Michael his back, and it was just a gigantic Misfits back piece. Nice. Yeah, so that was pretty Dude, cool. You know, he didn't even he had no idea Michael was there. Do you want me to? I would. I I met Michael that night, and I have a story there. But and I think you know Let's what story it. it is. I don't know. I'm going to pause for a second. Well, I like I, I'm going to pause. All right. I don't I don't want to get anyone in trouble with that story, man. Now, I I remember the last time that uh we had done anything, one last time that we done anything with them was uh me and you had to go to Birmingham, Alabama. Yes, that was uh, that was the day that we had lunch with him. Yeah, and that turned out to be like a very just spontaneous trip because you know, when Michael's on tour, he depends on every stop of the tour to, you know, uh, to fund get it. that revenue to keep going. Yeah. Well, the motor for that show ended up having a health problem or something happened. He was and in the he hospital. couldn't do the show no more. Yeah, and so Michael asked me to come down to Birmingham if I can help him do the show to get it going. And, and just we... uh, make sure everything's just set in place and going to run right. Now here's where we get into a bro story. <laughs> well, Dustin, me and Dustin are running the door, and then I'm up there checking, make sure everything's good with Michael. And at this point, you know, Michael knows that I'm like, Michael knows my love for Guns N' Roses, so he busted out that night. Uh, Patience for me. He played. Uh, he played Patience. I saw my YouTube channel, but uh, that was a really cool night. And that was his birthday. Yeah, and I remember after. After the show, we're all like, <laughs> we're all hanging around, and it got a little hazy. Yeah, Very if hazy. you didn't want me telling what happened, <laughs> <laughs> so we're. Uh, but let's say yeah, those well, those similar shenanigans followed us over to the next night. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're out there just hanging out, and we're like, it was just it was a pretty crazy night. It was fun. And so we all went our separate ways. Uh, and I remember driving back, and I was like so paranoid. And I got lost, man. I got lost in, in Birmingham. <laughs> that was a rough night because every time you do it, it, every time you get to Birmingham, when you drive, like if you drive through it, it keeps you on the highway. But when you come back, they always take you through like these neighborhoods and stuff. Always. <laughs> I don't get it. I hate those Google Maps or where they have you do in Birmingham. Well, GPS has, was, gone, has improved a lot since 
2010 and 2000. Yeah, this was about. No, this was 2010. About man, what? I, yeah, Maybe I early 11. Uh, back in uh, a couple years back, whenever you know me and Grace were hanging out, I was telling him my idea I had about a box set. And I told him, I remember telling him this, we're eating at a Waffle House. I told him, I said, well, when you release a box set, it's so, you know, a lot of a lot of people can't afford to pay three, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars for just a box full of music, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I told him the idea about splitting it up into volumes, you know, just do like, you know, just have like a bunch of volumes, you know, and make it $10, $15, $20 for each volume and release it like that. Well, Michael ended up loving that idea. And he did release a series like that of, uh, I forgot what it was called, the demos of live cuts or something, uh, volumes one, two, three, four, five, six. You know, it's just a bunch of stuff that he's never that he didn't release before or just, you know, uh, a re-release. But he did do the box set type deal, but just in volumes. That's really cool. Yeah, I forgot what the name of those volumes were, man, but I, that's what, I remember him telling me that's the reason why he released them like that. Well, I believe that's pretty much the end of our show today, ladies and gentlemen. It that was the time for the pay-per-view. Oh, hey, it is. We're recording this on WrestleMania Saturday. I forgot all about it. Yeah, this this episode's fun, though, because, you know, that man, my youth, this was like a big part of my youth right here. This was, uh, like, I don't know, it's kind of opened a lot of doors for me, you know, just locally. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty cool. There was a lot of good times, a lot of good times with those guys. But you know, I'm glad. To and what sucks is, all right, I was supposed to see Michael back uh, about six months ago. He was playing in Memphis, Tennessee. But I ended up choosing going to Wichita, Kansas to go see uh, Guns N' Roses. On mm. they were playing the same day, so. I ended up not getting to see either band that night, so... <sighs> yeah, so that, it all comes I'm... full circle and interlinks together. <laughs> yeah, because I was... I already... I was already planning on going to see Graves that night, but then when I was looking at this uh, Guns N' Roses tour, I'm like, uh... I've never been to Wichita. I might as well go there. And, yeah, I made that choice, but... And that is going to have its own episode also. That is going to, that's an, another infamous day that we're going to talk about at another time. But for now, folks, we are out of time. So, uh, I, I, we're going to have to, you ready to go home and sign off for the week, Rick? Yes, sir, I am. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and we will have more adventures here soon and we're going to have a, more guests come on. Oh, with yeah. Different views on it. Are we gonna tell who it is, or are we just gonna we're just gonna leave it surprise? Oh, uh, well, we we don't we got guests coming. We just don't know what episode we're putting these people in. So we're just gonna just you'll find out when it happens. We're making a lot of it up as we go too. So that's what that, that's really fun. But thank you guys for joining us this week, and don't forget uh, click the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Click the subscribe button if you're listening on Anchor or wherever you're listening wherever your fine podcasts are available at. And you can always download each and every episode in our archives over at gunsandradio.com. And until next week, I'm Dustin Bones. He's Rick Dunsford. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.